Hello and welcome to this message from the river. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. You say come to the river. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to 2 Samuel. And uh, I'm going to share uh, out of that text this morning, preaching to you um, a new series beginning today called Meet the Robertsons. It's a fad across uh, the country right now, Duck Dynasty. Many of you watch it and are well aware of what's going on. If you have been missing it, you ought to watch it. It's a lot of fun to watch and uh, 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 a, a very good, wholesome show uh, that's on TV. There's not very many of those, right? It's nice to have one from time to time. And so we're going to do a whole series called Meet the Robertsons over the next few weeks. And uh, today I want to preach to you on building a lasting legacy. Building a lasting legacy. If you have your Bibles, it's 2 Samuel chapter 7, uh, beginning in verse 1. I'm going to read out of the passage through verses 29. And so just keep uh, your a finger there on that text, and we'll be going back to it uh, throughout. What a great story uh, of a man who began in a shop uh, in the, uh, behind his house in the backwoods of Louisiana, right? I mean, if you know the story of their dynasty, uh, it's really neat to, to know that they started in a little, he started a little old shop behind his house. It's a raggedy old building now and built this new duck call and his family are multimillionaires because of what has happened. He is a true American success story. Uh, and really not only has Phil Robertson become a success in his lifetime, he's also built a legacy of success for his children to inherit. As fathers, I think that that is something probably all of us can understand and connect with is that we want to build something that our children can inherit. Build something that lasts beyond us and build a lasting legacy that is passed on from generation to generation. In 2 Samuel, we read of a story that is just like that. A story in the Bible of a great man named David. Uh, and David really is one of those characters in the Bible who, who stands really unique from everyone else in the Bible because of the, in, the uh, legacy and the heritage that he passed on throughout generations. I mean, even the Jews in the time of Jesus often referred to the house of David. He was a well-known figure uh, throughout history. We all are familiar with, we may not know a lot of Bible characters, but we know about David. David and Goliath, David and all the different things that he did. We know that he was uh, a great king and still to this day is considered a great king uh, in the history of Israel. What a legacy. David was not only a success in his lifetime, but he also built a legacy of success for his children to inherit. You know, when you think about what it was that made David successful, I think the Bible is very clear on what that is, what it is that made him stand out, what it is that captured uh, the attention and the heart of God was, is, is really found in Acts 13.22. Let's read that. It says, and when he had removed him, he raised up for them, he's talking about when he had removed Saul as king, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, this is God speaking about David. He says, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. You want to know what led to David's success? It's right there in the text. He was a man after God's own heart 
He considered what God wanted for his life. He sought after the Lord. He was a great worshiper. And so he was always seeking the heart of God. And in so doing, seeking the heart of God, he also completed and did the will that God had for his life. We want to be successes. We want to please the Father. We want to do things that make a difference in the kingdom of God. And we want to pass on a true heritage to our children that it's found right here in the same place that David found it. It's found in pleasing the Lord and doing His will. Seeking after His heart and letting His heart direct our steps and the things that we choose to do. David's success and legacy are built upon the fact that he loved God and he sought to do His will. That's it. That seems simple. But the truth is it's in the simple things that we move the heart of God. It's in the simple things. God's not asking you to do anything spectacular to please Him. He's asking you to love Him and do what He asks you to do. Simple. It's simple. We try to make this gospel experience and relationship with Jesus Christ very complicated. But the fact is, at the end of the day, it only requires this, that we love the Lord and we do what He asks. And if we do those things, He's going to be happy. He's going to be happy, happy, happy. Amen? For us to be successful in this life, it starts at the same place. And I know, like I said already, I know for every father in the house today that it is your desire to find success and build a legacy and establish a dynasty, if you will, that can be passed on to your children. So this morning, I want you to help me pray as I preach to you building a lasting legacy. Will you help me? Father, we thank you today. For every father in this household, we thank you for every single person in this building, God. This message is not just for fathers, it's for everybody in the house, God, today. And Lord, we want to connect with you and what you're saying to us this morning. God, we want to build something today or begin building something today that we can pass on to future generations. God, that will mark them and change them and set them on the path toward you. God, we want to be those kinds of people. That when you speak of us, Father, you say things like, He was a person after my own heart. He did my will. He sought after me. And He loved me with all that He had to love me with. Father, I pray your blessing upon this service today. Have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we look at 2 Samuel 7 and beginning in verses 1 through 4, what we really find is now David has a well-established kingdom. He is older in age now. And he has fought a lot of wars, but now uh, he's really gotten past a lot of those things. And his kingdom is well established. It's going good. He's got a good thing happening. He has rest from his enemies. And he wants the Lord now to have a house of worship uh, to be built. David is mindful that he's now sitting in this palace, this, this nice, beautiful place that the Lord has given him. David was always good at recognizing that what he had was given to him by God. He was really good about that. That's why God said he's a man after my own heart. He pays attention to who brought him to where he is. And he never forgets that. David recognizes that he's sitting in this lavish kingdom. He's sitting in this wonderful palace. He's got everything good in his life. And he recognizes that he has this, yet his God does not have a house of worship yet. And so David is moved with his love for God and wants to build this house of worship. He goes to the prophet Nathan. And Nathan says to him, he says... Uh, tell, he tells Nathan what he desires to do to, to build this house and Nathan says go for it, do it, do what's in your heart but that night Nathan is awakened by the Lord and this is what the Lord tells Nathan to say to David in 2 Samuel verse 5 he says go and tell my servant David thus says the Lord would you build a house for me to dwell in? question mark 
For I have not dwelt in a house since the time that I brought the children of Israel up from Egypt, even to this day, but have been moved about in a tent and in a tabernacle. Wherever I have moved about with all the children of Israel, have I ever spoken a word to anyone from the tribes of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? When we read this, the first thing we think is, it seems like God might be a little irritated that David even wants to build his house. But I don't think that that's all the way that we should look at the text. I don't think God's saying that. What God's saying to David is this. He's saying, look, throughout the years, I've had a lot of people that have led my people. They've been in charge of directing them. And for all these years, I've lived in tents. And I've never one time asked anybody to build me a house. And never one time has anybody ever asked to build me a house. God's moved. God stirred that David, even though he's not prompted and provoked to do it, still is considering and thinking about his God. And here's my first point. Consider him and he will establish you. Consider him and he will establish you. Here's the deal. When we are mindful enough of thinking of our God, figuring out ways that we can bring worship to him without it being provoked, How much purer, how much richer, how much better is it when we do it that way? Isn't it great to get a gift from someone that you didn't have to kind of force them to get you? I mean, wives, do you like it on your birthday when you have to tell your husband that he forgot your birthday and he needs to get you a gift? That doesn't go well, right? But when someone thinks of you, when someone considers you, when someone does it without being provoked or caused to do it in any way it's real, it's genuine and it feels good doesn't it God's moved in the same way because David brings a gift to the Lord or offers to bring a gift to the Lord that is done with a pure heart with a desire to please him listen church there is no true success that doesn't involve God, there's no true success in life that doesn't involve God When we talk about success, I'm not talking to you about building wealth and fame and all these things and passing it on to your children. That may be a part of your success. I believe God wants to bless you in some of those areas, but that does not define success. What defines success is a man after God's own heart and a person willing to do his will. If you do that, you are successful. You may not be recognized by the world, but you will be recognized by the one that matters most, and that's Jesus Christ. When we consider Him, He establishes us. When we do what He asks us to do, when we do what we just are created to do, and that is to worship Him, to honor Him, to bring glory to His name, then He establishes us in our lives. Make God your first and foremost consideration and He will always establish you in your life. If you make God your first and foremost consideration, what do you mean, Pastor? I'm saying when we make a decision, consider the Lord. When we do something with our lives, consider the Lord. When we consider Him, we put Him in His proper place, which is central to who we are. Then everything works for us, and God blesses our lives. He puts His hand to it, and He begins to bless us. Involving God, listen, on the front side means... He has to be involved less on the back side. Let me say it again. Involving God on the front side of things means he has to be involved less on the back side. I'm not saying he won't be involved in the whole process because he is. But what I'm saying is when we consider him in the beginning of the process, 
when we get His plan for the process, when we listen to Him on how He wants things done in the beginning, we don't have to start begging Him to come show up in the situation because He's already there. And He's already worked it out for us. If we'll consider Him first and foremost, then everything will go smoother. Proceeding a process with God makes it move smoother. Proceeding a process with God makes it move smoother. I promise you, if you want God's hand of blessing on your life, then take some time to consider Him before you make decisions. Have you ever made a decision without asking God's uh, direction and it backfired on you? And then you were having to beg God at the end to get involved and fix what you messed up because you didn't ask His permission or ask His direction? We want to avoid that. And success is found in seeking the Lord and following Him. God is moved by David's unprovoked and unprompted considerations of him. And as a result, God establishes David's dynasty forever. God establishes David's dynasty forever. Recently on the show, uh, they were getting ready to launch their third season. And of course, you know, with our culture like it is, guns and Jesus are just not popular items as a whole in the culture. But that's what the show is about. And so A&E, the people that sponsor the show, came to them and asked them if they could do the show without guns and without Jesus involved. There would be no show without guns and Jesus involved. And so Phil says, absolutely not. If you don't want my Jesus and you don't want our guns, then you don't want us. The fact is, we need some people that will take a stand for something they believe in. And whether you're for guns or whatever, that's your business. But we're all for Jesus in this place, right? And we're not backing off of that. And I'm thankful for some people that have a wholesome show that always end the show with prayer and say, we're not giving that up. We're not quitting that. And so if you don't want that, then you don't want us. It's considering God first. It's putting the Lord first. His consideration, I believe, his consideration of God first is resulting in God establishing him and his ever-increasing success. Let's look at verse 8. Now therefore, thus shall you say to my servant David, this is Nathan still talking to David, the Lord's telling Nathan what to say, thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheepfold, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people over Israel, and I have been with you wherever you have gone, and have cut off all your enemies from before you, and have made you a great name like the name of the great men who are on the earth. Point number two is this. Where you come from is tied to where you're going. Where you come from is tied to where you're going. One of the great keys to David's success is that he stayed true to himself. He never forgot where he came from and he led, and that led him to be a great king. He always kept grounded from where he came from. He stayed connected to the little boy uh, in, on the Bethlehem hills tending sheep. He was the same kid in the sheep pen that he was on the throne. He was the same worshiper on the hills of Bethlehem that he was in Jerusalem. He began a man after God's own heart and he remained a man after God's own heart. And that kept him great before the Lord and it kept God's hand upon him and God establishing him throughout his life. And here's the good news. If he can take a a backwoods boy from Bethlehem and he can make him a king And he can take a backwoods boy from Louisiana and make him a national sensation. Then that means there's hope for you and I. That he can take us from where we are and do anything he wants to do with us. 
And so God wants to work in our lives. God wants to establish you. God wants to bless you. God wants to create great success in you. But I tell you today that where you came from is tied to where you're going. You can't lose yourself in the process of God working in your life. I'm not saying that some things don't need to change because some things need to change, right? But the core of who we are is directly connected to who God desires us to be. He made us like we are for a reason. He created us with what we have for a reason. He gave us the gifts and talents we have for a reason. And we don't need to hide that. We don't need to small that up for anybody. We need to let that shine through because that's what God is trying to do in our lives. Many times we put aside our gifts and our talents, the things that we've been given, the things that we desire and the things we love because it offends someone or someone else doesn't like it or it makes them feel insecure or, or just awkward in the situation. But listen, you need to let what God did in you shine brightly. Don't hide that for anybody. I'm thankful that God has elevated a group of rednecks to the, the center stage of, of the nation. They're just who they are. And they're not changing for anybody. And God is using that to give them a platform. They're speaking all over the place. And so God can use a redneck. He can use us. He can do anything. Some of you look like a bunch of rednecks today. I'm just saying. Just saying. (laughs) David began... (laughs) That's good. Here's, here's what we wanted to do. I should have had all of you bring your duck calls. Instead of saying amen, you could have just quacked at me. That would have been good. Hallelujah. David began as a shepherd. And I want you to understand something about a shepherd. The shepherd was the lowest of occupations among, uh, among the people in those days. And among the lowest of occupations, David was considered the least in his family by his own family. I mean, if you know the story when... When uh, Samuel came to anoint David as king, David's out tending sheep. He's out doing what he does. And so he goes to Jesse. Samuel goes to Jesse, David's father. And he says, gather up all your boys because one of them is supposed to be the king of Israel. They don't even go get David. They leave him stuck out in the fields tending sheep. So he wasn't even considered by his own family. But God can take people who seem obscure people who seem like they have nothing to offer, and he can elevate them to the highest platform in the earth if he chooses to. God can do anything that he chooses to do. He's not looking for talent. He's not looking for abilities. He'll use those things, but he don't need any of those things. All he needs is a willing heart and someone who will follow after him. And if you'll do that, you'll be successful in everything you put your hand to. When you walk with God, it doesn't matter where you start. David started in the the fields of Bethlehem, tending sheep. But he didn't end up there. That ain't where he stayed. And today you may look at your situation, you may disqualify yourself because you feel like you don't have a good start. Listen, it don't matter where you start. God can take you anywhere. God can do anything in your life and God can elevate you as he chooses. Verse 8 says, I took you from the sheepfold. From following the sheep. Think about that. I took you from the sheep. You used to follow sheep. You weren't even leading them. You were following them. Just out there in the field, following them around, playing your little harp, doing your thing. And what did I do? I elevated you to be the shepherd over the entire flock of Israel. God can do anything. 
God will establish a legacy in your life, but you cannot forget where you came from because it's tied to where you're going. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, say the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. That word expected end means cord. It has the symbolism of a cord. And what that says to us is that your end is tied to your beginning. The way you start is directly connected to what God's trying to do in your life. And it's not about your your platform being weak at this point in your life. God's trying to take who you are as an individual, who He made you to be, and He's trying to use that to advance His purpose, His will, and His kingdom in this earth. Be who you are and be that for the Lord. Be who you are and be that for God, and God will do it. Don't let anybody put you in a box. Men, I'm talking to you today. Don't let anybody put you into a mold. Be who you are supposed to be. Don't conform. Don't give in. You be who God created you to be, and you be that to the utmost, and God will use it in your life. David didn't apologize for being who he was. He just just was who he was. He was a worshiper. And even though his wife, Michael, did not like it when he danced in front of everybody and said, you ought to not act like that because you're a king. He said, I am who I am and I'll be even more undignified than this if I need to be because I'm a worshiper. It's what got me here and it's what's going to take me on from here and I'm not giving that up for anybody. He never changed. He stayed the same. Oh yes, he grew as an individual. He was transformed by Jesus Christ. But who he was created to be is who he remained. And he didn't let this world tweak him to be what they thought he should be. Oftentimes on the show, this phrase is used. Money changed some things, but it didn't change everything. And it's true. If you watch it, you'll see that it didn't change everything. In other words, we're still the same old people we've always been. We're still the same old rednecks that we've always been. David never lost himself in the process of success. And even when he was attacked for it, even when he was ridiculed for it, he stayed true to himself and God used David, who David was, to do what he wanted to do through him. Verse 12 says, When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you, who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Now skip on down to verse 16. And your house, this is what he says. Think about this. He says, look, I see what you did for me, that you considered me. Now, because you considered me, I'm going to establish you forever. You're not, it's, your kingdom's not going away. It's going to just be passed on from generation to generation, and it will be established forever. He says, now this is what I'm going to do for you Uh, First of all, I'm going to do for your son is I'm going to him to build my house and it's going to be great. So that's going to be part of his legacy. But what I'm going to do for you is found in verse 16. And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. Point number three is this. A legacy must be transferable and expandable. Transferable and expandable. God says to David, I'm going to establish you from now on and what you have done will be shared through the generations to follow you and expanded upon by those generations. When David approaches the prophet Nathan concerning his plans, if you go back to verses 1 through 4, 
He approaches the prophet Nathan and he says, this is what I'd like to do. God doesn't have a house. I got a nice house. I want to build God a house. Nathan immediately says to him in verse 3, he says, do what's in your heart to do. That night, God comes to Nathan and says, hold up, hold the phone here. I don't want David building me a house. I've got somebody else planning to build me a house, but I appreciate what David's doing, and so I'm going to bless him as a result of that. Now, now that's important for you to know because what I want you to understand is what we're about to get into. This, when we read this and we say, okay, Nathan says go do it. God says don't do it. This begs the question, was it in the heart of David to build the temple or did David and the prophet miss it? If you think the vision and the dream you have is just for you, then you have to say the answer is yes, they missed it. But if you believe that the vision and the dream you have is bigger than you and they are transferable and expandable, then you can accept that it was in his heart to do it. And I say to you, it's the latter. David, what was in David's heart to do was genuinely in his heart to do. God put up on his heart to build the temple, to build the tabernacle, to build him a house. But the vision was not just for David to complete. The vision was for David to start and pass it on to his children so that they could complete it. They could finish it. The vision has to be bigger than us. It has to be bigger than just me. My success cannot just be about me elevating my own life and establishing myself in this world. It has to be about a vision that is greater than me and has, it has the ability to be transferred to someone else and built upon by future generations. What I'm saying to you this morning is if we build the house of God here for just this generation and we don't build anything that can be passed on to the next generation, we're not successful. We fail in a process. We fail because we have not given anything to someone else that's coming after us. The vision that David had, I don't even think David fully understood this, but the vision that God gives you may not be fulfilled in your lifetime. The vision that God gives you may be a process that you began, but it may not be fulfilled by you. It may be started by you and passed on to someone else to complete This is the power of a godly heritage. This is the power of a godly legacy. This is the power of the dynasty that you are afforded to build by the grace of Jesus Christ. The greatest things we can pass on, we know, are teaching our children about the Lord and teaching them to love Him. But God has a big dream for you, a big plan for you, and He wants those things to be bigger than you. God put the plan in David's heart, but David's role was only to play a part in the process and then set up his son to continue. As fathers and as people of God, we have to plan with the next in mind. Plan with the next in mind. Plan with the next phase in mind. Well, we've arrived. We've gotten what we want. And we have no concept of who might come after us, who might need something in the process, we have to not be that way. we got to be better than that. Are you understanding what I'm saying today? Okay, you tracking with me, everybody? All right, good deal. We want to make sure that it's transferred and the next generation can expand upon it. Phil says this in the, in the, the clip we saw, Willie took the thing way further than I ever could. He took it way further than I ever could. He built a duck call. I'll tell you what Phil's goal was. was, Phil's goal was to build enough duck calls that he could fish and do what he wanted to. 
and not have financial problems associated. Willie had a whole other vision. He brought in what his dad did, he built upon it, and he took it to a whole other level. We want our children to take our vision and our dreams and our success to the next level. We want them to take what we have built and it be transferable and expandable and be able to be built upon for the next uh, thing that God wants to do. David's role was to prepare for what Solomon would ultimately do. God may give you a dream or a vision that you only pray about and prepare for but never participate in directly. Let me say that again. God may give you a dream that you only pray about and prepare for but never participate in directly. Are we willing to give ourselves to building and sacrificing for a legacy that perhaps only future generations will enjoy? I think that in a culture that we live in, the culture we live in, we've lost some things that have made us great. When I think about immigrants coming from other countries... And I think about them coming over, many of them as indentured servants. They come into the shores of America and many of them had nothing. Many of them were indebted as slaves for the next several years of their lives. But they didn't work for themselves. They weren't thinking about their lives. They were thinking about their children's lives. They were thinking about what can I do to give my family a leg up and make them better than me. I think that we've become selfish as a culture. I'm not saying you are, because of course you guys, this is, I don't even know why I'm preaching this to you. I'm sure it's for somebody else. But we've become, uh, we've become selfish as a culture and we think about what we need rather than what we can do to elevate the next generation. Our children are suffering because we're not passing on the right things to them. And as the children go, so goes the culture. Amen. What are we building now that future generations can receive and build upon? That easily tells you, when you answer that question, that easily tells you if you, it, it easily tells you what you're giving your life to and whether it's worth it or not. Verse 18. Then King David went in, sat before the Lord, and he said, Who am I, O Lord God? And what is in my house that you have brought me this far? And yet this was a small thing in your sight, and you have also spoken of your servant's house for a great while to come. Is this the manner of man, O Lord God? Now what more can David say to you? For you, Lord God, know your servant. For your word's sake and according to your own heart, you have done all these great things to make your servant known, know them. God tells David, you're not the one that's going to build my house. Your son is. David doesn't argue but simply responds to God in humility. And this is the fourth point. Humility sustains a legacy. Humility sustains a legacy. David stays humble and he recognizes that God is the reason he is where he is and has what he has. He understands, and David is a master at this. He is, you, you want to learn how to appreciate the Lord? Read Psalms, read David's writings, read what he says because he's always understanding his place and God's place in the processes of life. When he's in the cave, he still understands God's on the throne. When he's facing the giant and he's looking down at the big enemy, he still understands that God is able to defeat all the enemies before him. He never loses sight of who he is in light of who God is. And true success comes from that. What is that? That's remaining humble. That's staying humble before the Lord. That's not losing sight of who God is and how it got him to where he is. He stays grounded through his success. 
Our success, listen, our success begins to deteriorate the moment we think we're responsible for it. Our success begins to deteriorate the moment we think we're responsible for it. The moment we think we've accomplished what we've accomplished on our own, the end begins and we're in trouble. If we learn nothing else from Kate plus eight, we learn that. They started out, I mean, this is true, because the truth is that family started out in church. They started out serving the Lord. And I don't know where they are today, but I just know the progression over the, the series as we watched it. And they got away. They got to thinking that the success they had was because of them. And before long, everything starts falling apart. And it's a really sad story because she had a platform and was utilizing that platform in the beginning to preach Jesus Christ. The fact is, we do the same if we're not careful. The moment we start thinking it's about me and it's because of something that I've done, we start losing everything that God's given us. It starts falling away. And it's hard to stay humble in the midst of success. It's hard to stay humble. But if you do like David does and you recognize that where I am hasn't changed where God is, and God's still on the throne, God's still orchestrating everything, and God is the reason that I am where I am, then we can put him in his rightful place and keep ourselves in our rightful place. And that's humble before the king of kings. When we start depending on ourselves and quit relying on God, we're in trouble. Humility keeps us in touch with reality and humility sustains a legacy. I'll say this to you. You know, uh, last season toward the end, I told April, I said, I'm concerned about this dynasty because now everybody knows that they're Christians. And I'm concerned that the fame that comes along with this will corrupt and will begin to tear down the very platform God's building for them. And here's what I'll say to you. If they'll stay connected to the Lord and they'll stay grounded with who He is and they'll not give up those things, God will keep giving them platform. God will keep giving them influence. But the moment that that changes, that stuff will go away. Things start falling apart. Marriages can't last without the Lord. Relationships can't be sustained without the Lord. Your, your financial needs can't be met without the Lord. And the moment you think any of that stuff happens without Him, you begin to lose it. Humility is the key. Stay humble and humility will sustain you. Proverbs 16, 18 says this, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. It's so true. Verse 27. For you, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, have revealed this to your servant, saying, I will build you a house. Therefore your servant has found it in his heart to pray this prayer to you. And now, O Lord God, you are God. Your words are true, and you have promised this goodness to your servant. Now therefore, let it please you to bless the house of your servant, that it may continue before you forever. For you, O Lord God, have spoken it, and with your blessing let the house of your servant be blessed forever. Point number five, as I close, is this. His word spoken to you creates the legacy for you. What he says he will do for you, he will do. What God says he will do for you, he will do. When you connect with his words in your life, you connect with what he's writing upon your heart, he will accomplish what he says he will do. He has never failed me and he's never failed you and he never will. He's God and he will not fail. Verses 27 and 28 says, For you, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, have revealed this to your servant, saying, I will build you a house. Therefore your servant has found in his heart to pray this prayer to you. Now, O Lord, you are God, and your words are true. 
You have promised this goodness to your servant. David understood that if God said it, it was as good as done. It was as good as finished. And when God speaks life into you, when God speaks His word into your heart, when God gives you something to live on, you can know that God will build you up, will strengthen you, and will sustain you and create the success in you through the power of His word. Psalms 127 and 1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Without the Lord, there is, there is no successful laboring. It's laboring in vain. David's response to God's word for him is simply, And now, Lord God, you are God. You are God. Your words are true, and you have promised this to me, and I know that I can take it to the bank because what you say, you will do. Would you stand with me this morning as Jennifer comes to the keyboard? And here's what I want to say to you today. Everything that we've preached, everything that I've shared this morning is summed up in this. I want you to consider Him and He will establish you. Put God first in your life. Put Him first and foremost in every area of your life and He will bless you. He will work in you and He will help you. Don't lose sight of where you've come from. Don't give it up to someone else because they don't like who you are. Let God, God created you just like you are. And so let God use who you are to build something great. Build something with your life that you can give away to the next generation. Don't build something that only resides in you, but build something that you can pass on to your children and their children's children and so on to the third and fourth, fifth, sixth generation. Let a legacy that you build last long beyond you. Stay humble, follow His word, and let God build a lasting legacy in your life. I believe as fathers, one of the driving desires of men is to be successful. To have something that you can give to someone else. And so today that's what we're talking about. And I want you to start that with a godly heritage. Because the spiritual heritage is the greatest heritage you can pass on. It's the greatest legacy that you can leave. Your kids are going to be okay financially. They're going to, those things are going to be okay. But their souls is what matters. And we need some fathers who will be spiritual leaders of their homes, will stand for what's right and say, we may not have a lot of things, we may not be well known, but this we do have. We serve a God who does not fail us, and we will continue to follow Him with our we whole hope you hearts. have enjoyed and been encouraged by this message. We'd love for you to join us at the river on Sunday mornings at 9.45 for Sunday school and at 10.30 for morning worship. We also provide our midweek service for all ages on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you would like to support the various ministries at the river, please go to our giving tab. We would love for you to visit us at 1110 South Preston Street in Burkrenet, Texas. And as always, we encourage you to come experience life with us at the river. Till I found myself.